What is up, gang? This is your boy Mel, aka Naldo Formula One, and you are now tuned into the Naldo F1 podcast. This is going to be episode 15, man. I feel like you guys haven't heard from me in a while, and I, I miss doing this, man. It's been a minute, probably about a, what, a month or two since my last episode with uh, Mike Stavanoa, the trading card episode. If you haven't seen that one yet, please go check it out. It's out on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, YouTube, all of that stuff, man. Before we get started into this episode, man, make sure you guys go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel, man. Subscribe to the audio podcast. I really appreciate you guys liking, leaving five-star reviews, subscribing, leaving comments, interacting, sharing, all of that stuff. Just run up the engagements, man. It doesn't do cost you guys anything, man, and it means the world to me when you guys do that stuff. So if you're not already, make sure you guys subscribe, like the channel, like the video, leave a five-star review if you're listening to this on uh, Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, and just share it, man. Run the numbers up, man. We're trying to trying to get these subscribers up, trying to actually do something big with this thing. But let's go ahead and get into the actual nitty-gritty of this episode, man. We're just going to have a little chat, man. Get you guys updated, up to speed on what's new in, in racing and Formula One. There's been a lot happening since the the last time I spoke to you guys. We are approaching what is the mid-season silly season. And what silly season is, if you guys aren't familiar with like Formula One terms and racing terms in general, silly season is just it's like it's like free agency essentially. It's where the drivers start moving around and it usually all happens at the exact same time, usually right after the season ends and right before the summer break. And that's what we're approaching right now is the summer break. So we have two more races until the summer break. We have uh, Hungary this coming up weekend when you guys are listening to this. I'm recording this Saturday, but it'll be this coming weekend whenever you guys are hearing this. And then we got Spa after that. And then we will be onto the summer break month long summer break at that so we got a lot to look forward to as far as this silly season is 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 going and so silly season is when just drivers start moving around and teams start making big changes and it's yeah it's just a lot as far as the moving pieces go in formula one so What's happened so far is the big news, if you haven't heard it yet, is that Nick DeVries has been dropped from AlphaTauri. AlphaTauri is uh, Red Bull Racing's junior team of sorts. They're, they call it a sister team, but it's really a junior team. They use it to evaluate young talent and with the hopes that they move up to the big Red Bull team in the future if they prove themselves. And Nick DeVries was a rookie this year. Now, he was a 28-year-old rookie. He was 27 when the season started, but he was 28-year-old rookie, which makes him older than two-time champion Max Verstappen, makes him older than Charles Leclerc, Lando Norris, a bunch of the top drivers, George Russell. So Nick DeVries is a rookie of sorts, but not really. And so they gave him 
10 races to evaluate his his talent and they just decided that it wasn't enough he wasn't putting the car where it needed to be and we know if you know anything about red bull you know that red bull is cutthroat i mean formula one is cutthroat in general but red bull specifically and their driver academy is just completely savages for lack of a better term they're savage with their drivers they don't give you too much time you got to prove yourself very quickly and they'll know whether you're fast or not and so we just they they say they felt like they had seen enough and i just think that maybe did they give him enough time to really get up to speed with formula one and stuff like that probably not do i think that he was good enough for potentially the top red bull seat absolutely not so I guess they figured why waste time even just letting him become a somewhat average driver when we could try to get a proven driver in there. And so the news is that Daniel Ricciardo will be replacing Nick DeVries at AlphaTauri. We'll be partnering Yuki Sonoda at that team. And so it's great to have Daniel back in, in Formula One. I'm super excited that he is back on the grid he's one of the best personalities if not the best personalities super entertaining man just an absolute legend and icon and on his day he is an absolutely fantastic racer so it's great to have him back now what this means for his career moving forward i'm not a hundred percent sure and i don't even know if it necessarily means anything if i'm just gonna keep it keep it 100 i think that daniel is in a weird spot in his career he's over 30 years old now which he's very much an experienced driver and a veteran of sorts so he doesn't really fit the mold of alpha towery which like i said earlier is a team that is very much focused on cultivating young talent and making sure that these guys are good enough to potentially take the big Red Bull seat alongside Max because we obviously know Max isn't going anywhere anytime soon. At least that's what we've been told for the past two years. Even though I do think that Max is probably going to get a little bored if things continue on the way that they are, but we'll get into Max and where he's at a little bit later on in the show. But back to Daniel, I think that where he's at in his career, he doesn't necessarily fit the mold of Alpha Towery. But I think that it could benefit him in the long run. And I think what Red Bull are doing is they're using Daniel as a measuring stick for Sonoda because Sonoda's been performing. Overall, he's been performing really good this season. He's had a couple stinkers. Like, I think the car was just terrible in Silverstone. So I don't think that he really could have gotten much more out of where they were at. I believe they finished like 15th and 17th. And there, I believe there were two DNFs, both the Alpines DNF'd. So essentially they were running in the back for, for most of the race. And so, but overall he's either been right in the points, just barely on the fringe of the points, like ninth, 10th place, or he's been right outside of it and pretty consistently as well in what seems to be an absolute tractor of a car. So I do believe Sonoda is performing extremely well this season and I think that Red Bull need a measuring stick because DeVries wasn't a good measuring stick because he was so bad that they couldn't tell whether Sonoda was out driving the car and the car is just terrible or if there's a decent car and Nick DeVries just sucked. 
And so I feel like Daniel is the perfect measuring stick because he's a proven race winner. On his day, he can perform. I mean, hell, he's the last driver to get a win in McLaren in like the last like eight years since Lewis was there. So Daniel is a very talented driver. And so I believe that they're using him as a measuring stick for Sonoda now. As far as Daniel goes, I believe that Daniel's going to try to take advantage of this opportunity and use this as a sort of tryout and try to prove himself to other teams on the grid and hopefully maybe get a shot in another team. Now, he's burned a couple of bridges, so I don't know exactly where that might fall. I mean, it's silly season, so you never know who's going to end up where. But as far as what Daniel would require in pay and in a driver of his stature, I don't know where he really ends up because he seems like he's burned the bridges at Renault slash Alpine already. There was rumors that he was going to get that seat instead of Pierre, and that obviously didn't work out. They went with the all-French driver lineup for the French team. But, I mean, McLaren dropped him, so that's a team out. I don't believe Ferrari's interested Mercedes look like they're locked in for a while. We'll get into Mercedes a little bit later, but I don't think they're looking to make any huge changes anytime soon. You got Aston. Fernando doesn't look like he wants to go anywhere, and we know that Lance obviously isn't going anywhere. His dad owns the team, so I really don't know what team he could possibly land on that would even give him a chance to contend. I mean, you got Alfa Romeo, who's who looks like the second worst team on the grid. You got Williams, who I don't think can afford him, at least what I believe he would be asking in terms of contract links and terms. So where exactly does that leave Daniel, which is why I don't believe that this move necessarily means a whole lot for his future. And it sounds really bad because I love Daniel and I want him to succeed and I want him to be in a top team again, but I don't know if that's going to necessarily work out but who knows we'll see as far as the future of or looking forward into the rest of silly season because we still got a lot that needs to be unpacked and then a lot and a lot that's going on so right now the biggest storylines around this coming up silly season into the summer break and even into the rest of the season of 2023 moving into 2024 is that Lewis hasn't signed his contract with Mercedes yet. I don't believe that that's necessarily some indication that he's looking to leave Mercedes. He's done this before, I think twice, where he's left it up to the last minute. He did it after 2021, and I believe he did it before 2020 as well. I think 2021, he didn't sign his contract. It wasn't official that he was coming back to Mercedes until like February, and the season started in March. So that's not unlike Lewis. I don't believe that he's leaving Mercedes. I don't think that he, well, I, it's not even a think situation. I know that he's not happy with the, where the car is at right now. He wants to compete for, for wins. I mean, hell, the dude is a seven-time world champion. And he doesn't he wants to win races he wants to compete for titles and the team are not necessarily doing that right now and we know pretty much know that it's the car because George and Lewis are pretty much neck and neck on any given weekend and they 
for the most part, get the fucking maximum out of the car every every weekend. And so it's got to be hella frustrating for George and specifically Lewis to know that you're getting the absolute maximum out of the car every weekend, and it's just not there. They're three, four-tenths off of Red Bull in qualifying, and over the course of a race, that's how you end up 30 seconds off of a guy in the race. And so you may get on a podium, but you're still 20 seconds off the lead. And so where does that exactly leave you? And where, what room and margin with the given regulations, where is the room to improve? And so I know that Lewis is frustrated with the lack of closing the gap from them to Red Bull. And I don't know if there's anything that they can actually do. I've actually been extremely disappointed with Mercedes and how they've handled this transition into these new 2022 and on regulations. And for a team of their stature and a well-oiled machine, how they present themselves to be and the fact that they're eight-time consecutive constructors champions and eight-time consecutive, they've won eight consecutive drivers' championships as well, if you include the Rosberg Championship in 2016. So they, where does that leave Mercedes exactly? And it's a little bit mind-boggling how they can't seem, a team with their resources can't seem to figure out how to be quick on track compared to Red Bull. And obviously they're quick compared to a lot of the other teams on the grid, but that's not good enough for Mercedes. Mercedes is here to win championships and to dominate the sport. And they're not doing that right now with arguably the best drive. I don't even think it's arguable at this point. I think they're solidif- like solidly have the best driver pairing on the grid. Like I said, they're the only driver pairing I believe that are consistently getting the best out of the car every single weekend for the most part. I know George has had some incidents this season. Lewis had a couple last season, but if you average it out over the course of the season, they pretty much get the maximum out of that car every single weekend, which is between a podium and about fifth and sixth place, give or take depending on the weekend. Some weekends, Ferrari or Aston are stronger. Hell, this past weekend, McLaren were stronger. Where the hell did they come from? Seriously. I'll get into that later. I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent since we're talking about silly season. But, yeah, where the fuck did McLaren come from? And so I do believe that Lewis is extremely frustrated, but I don't know if there's anywhere else he can really go. I don't think there's any kind of mutual interest between him and Red Bull, which is the only seat that he could really go to. That's an automatic contention for a championship. I believe that Max and his dad would absolutely like blow up the Red Bull headquarters, like physically and literally if they signed Lewis, his pretty much his biggest rival since he's come into Formula One. So they would have an absolute fit. It would just be complete shit show as far as how those two are going to get along. It would probably end up being the most talented and strongest driver pairing in the history of the sport. I mean, you could argue Senna and Prost in the 80s and 90s. 
was probably was arguably the strongest pairing that's ever existed. I mean, two multiple time world champions. I believe Senna has what? Senna has three and Prost has four world titles. So seven between the both of them. Max and Lewis would have what? Ten. Because I mean, this championship's already wrapped up for Max. So Max would have ten. Or Max and Lewis would have ten combined as a driver pairing, which is absolutely mental. But I don't think that's going to happen. I don't really think Lewis fits the mold of Red Bull either, like the attitude within that team. He doesn't really fit that. He's too – Lewis is very eccentric and individualized, and he's has a lot of other interests outside of racing, which isn't really the case for, like, the Red Bull drivers in the past. And the Red Bull racing team as a whole, it seems like their sole focus is racing and only racing. So I just don't think that Lewis really fits the mold for Red Bull. I think that they need to look, they potentially would look in a different direction. And just it would cost them so much money to try to bring Lewis into into the fold. I mean, you'd have the two highest paid drivers on one team. So I just it, they would they would break the absolute bank trying to bring Lewis in. So I just don't think that would work out. Ferrari's just not a given entity on any given weekend. It's not like they're putting in pole positions and wins every single weekend. Half the weekends of the of the calendar, they look like an absolute dumpster fire. So I really don't think that that's a viable option either. Aston they looked slow recently. So I don't see where else Lewis could potentially go, and I don't see him retiring. I really think that he's dedicated to try to get this eighth world title or at least do everything in his physical power to try to get it. And if he doesn't ever get it, at least he can go to sleep at night knowing that I gave everything that I could and that, to be honest, one was taken away from me. So, yeah, I just – I don't think – I think Lewis is just kind of – they're working out the terms and is trying to just wait and evaluate, just put a little pressure on Mercedes and kind of leverage himself and use his stature to to get the maximum out of Mercedes at this point. I think that's pretty much the only reason why he hasn't signed yet. I don't think that there's any ulterior motives in that. I think that he wants to present the threat of potentially leaving or retiring, but I don't think he's actually going to do that. I don't think it benefits him whatsoever. There has been some inklings and rumors about in connections between Lando and Red Bull. Now, I do think that's pretty interesting. I don't know how they would actually work that out because McLaren don't strike me as the type to be have any interest in letting Lando go. Plus, Lando just signed a big deal, what, two years ago? So I believe he has like three or four years left on his on his McLaren deal. So Red Bull would have to pay to buy him out, and then plus a healthy lump sum to for it to be even worth McLaren considering it potentially. And I don't think that Red Bull want to do that either. Again, for the same reason why they wouldn't want to bring Lewis in, they don't want a driver to really compete with Max, and. They don't really need a driver to compete with Max. They just need somebody who's going to put it second and third, put it on the podium consistently for the whole season so that they they can secure driver's champ or constructor's championships. They don't want or need anybody to compete with Max. Not that there's anybody that really could outside of maybe Lewis. Now, I do think Lando would put in 
wins fairly often if he was in that team with Max, but I don't know if he would beat Max in the same car. I really think Lewis and maybe Charles are the only drivers on the grid that would beat Max consistently. Like They would be neck and neck between them in a season. And so I do believe that that would potentially be good for Lando's career because I want to see him in a race-winning car and I want to see him win races. I mean, his performance in Silverstone this past weekend probably has to be the performance of the year so far to from a car that was absolutely nowhere in the beginning of the season to put that car comfortably in second, to defend from Lewis, who was on soft tires when he was on hard tires. And it, it was just a crazy performance. If you haven't seen the highlights of the race from Silverstone this past weekend, what 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 will be two weekends ago when you're hearing this, you gotta you gotta see it, man. It's some beautiful stuff. But so the connection between Lando and Red Bull, I do believe it's an intriguing prospect, but I don't think anything will come of it. It would be exciting to see though. I, I'm I'm crossing my fingers and my toes. You can't see them. But I don't. I don't want you guys to see my toes, but crossing my fingers, man, hoping that Lando, that it could work out, and that would definitely be the strongest driver pairing on the grid if you put Lando and Max together. Those two guys are unreal, and it would be fun to watch, and I think that they get along fairly well, so I believe that it would make things hella interesting moving forward. They're... Uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on as far as like the future of silly season, at least with the top teams, because who knows the bottom teams move around all the time. Who knows my boy Sergeant, who knows if he doesn't, uh, if he doesn't improve his performances in the coming races, he could be at risk to get dropped. I want Alex to potentially get another top team race seat. I don't think that would work out. And like I said, unless Lewis retired, that would if Lewis decided to retire, that would absolutely send the grid into mayhem, like pure mayhem, because that's a top team, a seat that opens up at a top team that I think people would be fighting over to try to get to Lando, Charles, Alex, like just a myriad of drivers are going to be trying to get there, whether they're in contract or not. And so. Back to what I was saying, and speaking of Charles, man, free my man Charles from from Ferrari. I, I don't know what else to say. They've brought him pretty much nothing but misery since, like, Australia of last season. It's been nothing but misery for Charles and Ferrari. And I know Charles probably bleeds red. I don't mean that literally. I mean he bleeds Ferrari red. He grew up Ferrari fan, grew up in Monaco watching Ferrari win titles and win races consistently, and they are just not that same outfit anymore. The leadership is not there. The strategy is not there. The car is not there, not this season. It hasn't been fast pretty much, again, since or fast enough since, well, I guess Spain of last year, but they DNF'd in Spain when Charles is winning comfortably and so my man Charles is in hell right now I really feel like he looks so just down in the dumps man it's just doom and gloom over there at Ferrari 
and I feel for him, man. I really want to see him win races because I believe over one lap, he's the fastest driver on the grid. He knows how to qualify, and I believe if you put him in a readily race-winning car on the regular that he's going to put in the wins regularly. He's still a little bit mistake-prone, but I think that he could work that out as he continues to grow. But, yeah, I need to see Charles win races and compete for titles consistently. But I don't think that Ferrari is the place for him to do that. I think realistically his best option would probably be to pray that Lewis retires and that Mercedes gets their shit together and he can just weasel his way into a Mercedes seat. But it's just it's it's tiring. I feel for Ferrari fans, man. I I I genuinely do. I don't I don't know how you guys deal with it on a week to week basis, man. It's it's like self torture. I think I've said that before on on a previous episode that being a Ferrari fan is literally like self-torture. It's like being a damn near like being a Cowboys fan, man. Like every year you have the potential and talent to be right up there, but for whatever reason you just can't put it all together. And it's a little bit sad sometimes. So I feel for you guys. Yeah, but uh that will wrap the silly set the ooh, what the hell was that? The silly season chat and what you guys can look forward to as far as like moving forward and some shuffling of the grid per se the other big news this week was that the f1 2024 calendar has been released and so we know when and where we'll be racing officially next season and it's a big one, man. 24 races, which is damn near half the year. Like, we got 52 weeks in the year. So, 26 weekends would be half the the half the year as far as racing. And we're up to 24. Ironically enough, 24 races in 2024. Is that too much? Probably. Am I excited for having that much racing? Yes, kind of. Do I think it's good for the teams or for the drivers? No. I mean, just think about how much traveling these guys are doing. This is a true international sport. They're they're jumping continents here, man. And it's not fair for the guys with families and just it's got to take a toll on you. Now, I do believe they've made some improvements to um They've made some improvements as far as like the travel scheduling and making it more regionalized as far as like they've moved a lot of the races that are in a similar region together. It's not perfect, and I do believe that they need to take some more steps. But on a scale of 1 to 10, as far as 10 being the perfect calendar, regionalized perfectly for maximum efficiency as far as carbon footprint and sustainability, I'd probably give it a six and a half, seven. It's decent. It's a lot better than it's been. That's been a huge talking point regarding Formula One is their carbon footprint, <clears throat> how much they travel and how much equipment they have to lug from country to country, putting them on these cargo planes, these trucks, driving them across continents and all kind of shit like that. So they've done a better job, but still a lot to to be desired. 
So, yeah, man, 24 races. So we start out in Bahrain again, go to Jeddah, Australia. Then we go to the Asian part of the circuit, which I think that has been improved a lot. Excluding Singapore, they could have moved Singapore to this part of the the calendar as well but we go from australia to japan then to china which is back on the grid which i'm excited about china's a great track got a lot of mixed conditions a lot of times it's produced some really exciting races in the past and i know that uh my man joe guan yu is going to be happy to be back racing in his home country so from China, we go all the way back to the U.S. and go to Miami. And then we go back to Europe, the European part of the circuit, where we go from... Oh, Jesus, I just drew a blank. Um, we go from Imola to Monaco, then to North America, again, Canada, then to Spain, Austria, Silverstone, Hungary, Belgium, so we're fully into the European part of the circuit or the calendar. Hungary, Belgium, the Netherlands, Italy. Then we go to Azerbaijan, which is a – Azerbaijan and Singapore just are kind of the the stains on the calendar. Not as far as the tracks, but just where they're placed. They don't really make sense regionally. As far as where they're placed, then so we got Azerbaijan, Singapore, then we go to the Americas where we get Austin, Mexico City, Brazil, Vegas, and then we hop to Qatar and Abu Dhabi, which the transition from Qatar or from Vegas to Qatar in Abu Dhabi just that don't really make a whole lot of sense either. But overall, I think it's improved as far as putting. The North American, or not North American, well, North the Americas races together towards the end of the season, and then keeping the European calendar together, and then the Asian part of the calendar going together. Miami, Montreal, Singapore, and Azerbaijan are kind of the the oddballs and where they could have approved. Now, I understand that there's contracts and certain tracks want to be placed on certain parts of the calendar as far as weather wise and what else they got going on in the city because a lot of these are street circuits so you have to account for the fact that they got other stuff going on in the city during that time period so we can't you can't shut a huge portion of your city down for a racetrack and then you because in the fall you got football season specifically with miami so you got football season, which is the biggest sport in America. And so you can't necessarily accommodate that in the middle of a football season. Like football is going to be number one always in America. So I get that, but I believe there's room for improvement moving forward. Now we do have three triple headers this season, which is unheard of. A triple header as far as racing terms is just a back-to-back weekend so going from one weekend straight to the next straight to the next after that which is not that common and not that normal i don't believe it's the greatest for specifically the teams and the drivers just from hopping from region to region i mean just think about the jet lag of going from like north america to 
an Abu Dhabi race the following weekend is just like it's a lot of stress on the body and you're trying to adjust to these time zones and what do you do during the middle of the week do you go back home to Europe to be with your family for what two or three days and have to fly halfway across the world to go to the race and prepare for that like that's just a huge toll on the body and just inefficient as far as carbon footprint wise so as far as the triple headers we have let's see we got Imola no hold on okay so our triple headers we got Spain Austria and Silverstone which I believe those have been triple headers for the past couple of years so that's not uncommon but from and that's pretty easy because it's all within Europe so those that travel schedule is not the craziest so that's a um, that'll be a triple header let's see what else do we got I know that Vegas, Qatar, and Abu Dhabi is a triple header, which is absolutely mad to me. I don't understand that whatsoever. Going from Vegas all the way to Qatar and then going, I mean, Qatar to Abu Dhabi is not that bad, but going from Vegas to Qatar on on a back-to-back weekend, I don't get whatsoever, and I don't understand how the drivers are going to do it, especially with the timing of the Vegas race and the fact that it's going to be like at midnight or whatever qualifying is at like two in the morning as far as like the time zone and where I'm at. So it's probably going to be what early in the morning in, in the European countries, what like six, seven o'clock in the morning, which I don't really feel bad for you guys. Cause we do that almost in America. We do that almost every weekend and it's specifically Australian fans. I feel for you guys cause their time zones are always thrown off as far as formula one racing. So I don't necessarily feel bad for my European fans with the regionalization and the timing of some races, specifically in North America, because it's only a couple races out of the weekend when we're dealing with this for the majority of the season. I mean, I'm up seven, eight, nine o'clock every single Sunday and sometimes earlier with qualifying sessions and sprint races and stuff like that on the weekend. So I don't necessarily feel you guys like I feel you, but I don't. So it kind of is what it is. And then I believe we have one other triple header. Oh, yeah, the uh, USA or Austin, because there's three USA races now. So Austin, Mexico City, and Brazil are a triple header weekend as well. So, yeah, we got three triple headers on the calendar this weekend. Or I said this weekend, going into 2024. And I think that is exciting for fans because you just get back-to-back race weekends not the greatest for the teams and the drivers but i mean we know what this is about it's about the almighty dollar man that's all it it really comes down to how are we going to make the most money how are we going to get the maximum out of what it is that the show and the product that we're trying to produce Give me a little drinky drink. I've actually been, that just reminded me, I've actually been trying to learn more about the business of podcasting and trying to prepare myself mentally for when this thing starts becoming an actual business and not just something that I'm doing for enjoyment. And just, I've noticed across a lot of big podcasts is, is the, is product placement or the lack thereof. And, so not putting anything on display as far as your content 
that you're not getting paid for. So not advertising anything for anybody that's not being paid for. So that's why I got my uh my little blank water bottle here. I'm not trying to mask an alternative beverage. No um <clears throat> no libations in here. This is purely purely the good stuff, the H2O, but no brand deals. You're not going to be on camera for me. So I believe I've made that mistake in the past on a few episodes. Obviously, these aren't making any money right now. I say obviously. That was kind of I feel like I just dissed myself a little bit. I don't I don't really like that. We're going to rewind that, but we're not making money as of yet will be in the future but when that day comes i want to already be in the mindset that i'm not doing nothing for free if you want to be on or want your product on here at some point you're gonna have to run it up speaking of the almighty dollar so that is it for the calendar um expectations for the rest of the season we got what 12 races left in the season and we still got a lot of, of what's going on. I mean, the driver's championship is all but wrapped up. I believe there's a 99-point gap. Let's check right now. I believe that there's a 99-point gap between um, – let's see. A 99-point – there is a 99-point gap, gap between Max and his teammate Sergio. Sergio is closer to – Lewis and Alonzo in fourth and third, respectively, than he is to his teammate in an absolute rocket ship of a car, which, speaking of Checo, Checo's in the hot seat, man. Whether we like it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, I really don't care what Red Bull are talking about. Checo is 100% in the hot seat, and I think that He's going to have to step his game up or he's going to get dropped. Like I said earlier in the episode, Red Bull is cutthroat, man. They get to the business. They don't They don't like messing around with their drivers. And if you're not producing results, they are not afraid to get rid of you. And so, I mean, five straight non-Q3 appearances and qualifying, so not making it to the final stage in qualifying while your teammate is putting it on pole and winning races back to back to back five straight it's unacceptable man it's unacceptable i mean the car is about three to four tenths faster than the rest of the then second than the second fastest team on any given weekend consistently and you can't you're qualifying p11 p13 p15 that's absolutely unacceptable and i like checo but we got to hold these guys accountable when they're not performing and checo right now is just not performing so he's gonna have to get his shit together man or else he's gonna get dropped and who's gonna take that seat who knows it could be sonoda could be lando Hell, if Daniel comes in and starts putting it in the points and whooping up on Sonoda, it could be Daniel, and we could see a Max and Daniel reunite, like reunion. But I don't really see that happening. But Checo's going to have to step it up. I know Christian Horner and Helmut Marco have come out, and these are the heads of Red Bull Racing. They've come out and said that Checo's seat is not in danger and that he's he's safe and we just need to put an arm around him and make him feel comfortable they've said that in the past about pierre they said it about alex they said it about um 
what's bro's name? Oh, man. It's uh I'm drawing a f I'm drawing an absolute blank right now. Um he was in uh, Toro Rosso before. He was Pierre's teammate in Toro Rosso. What is bro's name? This is going to make me mad. Um, now I got to look it up. I'm sorry, guys. Like, I, I'm I'm one of these. I'm a Googler. I, I can't. I, I, I won't let it go until I find out who it was. Uh, and it's going to make me mad as soon as I see it because I'm going to be mad that I didn't remember his name. 2014. Do, 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 do. Max Verstappen. Let's see. Alex Albon. This is making me so angry. And I'm sorry, I'm sorry guys for taking this long. But Toro Rosso. Daniel Kvyat. Man, golly, I don't know why that took me so so long daniel kiviat man they got rid of him too so yeah long story short man checko has to step it up point blank period not really a whole lot more to say about that he just he's not good enough at this moment and to be 99 points off of your teammate i mean you're on pace to finish almost 200 points behind your teammate in the standings and you're at risk of losing second place in the driver's championship now, as far as Max, he literally has enough points to be winning the Constructors' Championship by himself. Red Bull is 198 points ahead of Mercedes in the dry, or in the Constructors' Championship. But Max by himself has 255 points, so he'd literally be winning the Constructors' Championship by himself. That dude is an absolute other league i think as far as the rest of the season and what we have to look forward to more red bull domination and who's going to be numbered second best as far as the second half of the season because right now it looks like we have a four-way fight for second best team between mercedes aston who have been there all season ferrari has stepped up in a couple of races but we know that they're hit or miss, and now McLaren have just come out of nowhere. Their performance in Silverstone <clears throat> to qualify second and third and then finished second and fourth, and it probably would have been second and third without that safety car. I mean, where did they, got, where did they come from? I mean, I know Mika Hakkinen said, I think a couple of weeks ago, that with the upgrades that McLaren were bringing, they would end up being the closest team to Red Bull by the end of the season and would be fighting for wins by the end of the season. We all thought he was just chatting shit, to be honest. At least I did. I thought he was just chatting shit because McLaren were absolutely nowhere at the beginning of the season. I mean, they are finishing 13th, 14th, 15th in the beginning of the season, and now all of a sudden they're putting it on podiums and fighting for double podiums. 
and probably the closest that any team has been to Red Bull the entire season. So now we got a four-way fight instead of a three-way fight for the second-best team in the on the grid. So that's really what we got to look forward to and what track is going to fit what team on any given weekend. So this weekend coming up in Hungary, who's going to be faster? Is it going to fit Mercedes, who have been traditionally slower in low-speed corners and had a draggy car, which proves very difficult for overtaking at at Hungary because there's a lot of low-speed corners at Hungary. Is McLaren going to be fast again? Are Aston going to step up? They've been traditionally good in the low-speed corners. So who knows, man? Who really, who knows? It's going to be exciting to see, and I think that's probably what we're going to be watching for. I've kind of just gotten to the mental point of Max just doesn't exist anymore in the race to me. I mean, we don't even see him on camera anymore, which can't be good for red bull sponsors because we just don't see the red bull cars on the grid it's either checo running in damn no man's land or max is 40 seconds up the road by itself i saw a a tiktok clip of somebody who was at the austrian race and they recorded max flying by and it was like max went by wait 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 and i kid you not it was like a 30 second video and it put it into perspective how long or how large that gap was. And then I believe it was one of the Ferraris, like Charles flew by after that, like 20 seconds later. And you're like, "Mm, damn, like that seems kind of boring. But I think what us as racing fans have done is we've just created the, blocked out the mental image of Max as a whole. He just doesn't exist in the race anymore. And whoever's fighting for second, and beyond is really who's fighting for the <laughs> for the essential race victory. And yeah, I think we can finish up with a little gossip, just a couple like talking points of like what's going on in F1 personal life and stuff. I know there were rumors for the past couple of weeks of Lewis Hamilton dating Shakira and they had been out to dinner a couple of times and um they had she's been to a couple of races recently and now all of a sudden she's had dinner with uh with Jimmy Butler and has been seen out with Jimmy Butler recently, uh NBA player Jimmy Butler and shout out to Shakira, man. I mean, Shakira's a beautiful woman. Uh apparently single woman. She can do whatever the hell she pleases. And I think Lewis is at a stage of his life where he's dated a lot of famous women before and a lot have come and gone, but he strikes me as the type that has really dedicated his life to his own interest and doesn't really seem like he kind of makes a whole lot of time for others in that in that whole myriad of what he's got going on between racing and fashion and music. I mean, hell, I just found out this week that Lewis has a song with um with Christina Aguilera. I think it's old, but like it actually didn't sound half bad. Like the song is actually kind of fire. I can't, I mean, the the content of the song is kind of crazy, and I don't, it just doesn't mix right with me being a Lewis fan, but it's, uh, what is this called? What is the song called? Hold on. I'll put you guys on. I don't, I can't play it for copyright reasons, but I'll at least put you guys on and let you guys know what it's called so you guys can check it out for yourself. He's like singing on there, and it actually doesn't sound half fucking bad, to be honest. Um, what is this Sam song called? 
It's called Pipe. <laughs> the song is called Pipe by Christina Aguilera featuring XNDA, which I guess is Lewis's musical alternative identity. There's no other songs on this uh on his profile or nothing that I found outside of that song. But the song actually sounds really good. So yeah, go check that out when you got time, man. Uh but yeah, Shakira. So I feel like we're either gonna this coming up in weekend in Hungary, we're either gonna see an absolute mental performance where Lewis is driving out of his mind, angry and random pole position in a win where he's just driving angry or we're going to see a depressed Lewis where he is nowhere. Um, it seemed like every race that she showed up, he was putting it on the podium. So I'm a little sad in the fact that she's not going to be his good luck charm anymore, but Hey, shout out to Shakira, man. She's doing her thing and I don't blame Jimmy or Lewis one bit. Another news, after the race in Silverstone, Zach Brown took a little bit of a dig at um well he didn't he didn't name any names, but it we all know that he I think he was taking a little bit of a dig at Max this weekend because he was talking about the action between Lando and, and Lewis and the fact that they were racing each other very hard but very fair. Lewis was always leaving him the space, Lando was leaving Lewis the space. And Zach commended Lewis after the race and said, hey, every time I, I know that Lando's racing Lewis, he's going to be harsh but fair. And he's going to always leave space and make it an equal fight and a fair fight, unlike some other drivers on the grid. And that kind of got the whiskers raised in the Formula One community because everybody's like, hmm? Like, who is he talking about? And I think that we all know who he's talking about and it, it's max max has traditionally been known to not leave a whole lot of space for his competitors as far as like wheel to wheel racing and so it's interesting to see zach brown take a dig at max considering that they haven't necessarily raced each other a whole lot so maybe there's some ulterior motives behind that maybe he's just not a huge fan of max in general who knows but yeah, that was that was pretty interesting. I do kind of want to something that's been on my mind recently and pretty much the whole season is the fact that going into the season, we thought that Pierre and Esteban were going to absolutely rip each other's heads off because we know Esteban's been really harsh with teammates in the past as far as wheel to wheel wheel to wheel racing. He was harsh with Checo when they were in uh Racing Point in Force India. He was harsh with Fernando the past couple of years before Fernando moved to Aston. And, yeah, he traditionally hasn't gotten along well with teammates. And Esteban and Pierre have also had beef in the past, racing each other and coming up through karting. They're both French, coming up in the, similar, in the same circuits. And so we just – that hasn't turned out to be anything – this season i mean they they took each other out in australia earlier this season and even that they weren't it wasn't didn't necessarily turn into anything super spicy or super like hostile they just kind of been doing their own races i think esteban has put in some better performances than pierre over the course of the season i think he's been a better pierre or a better driver than pierre this season so far which i'm gonna have to eat my words because i believe 
in 20, either last year or in 2021, I said that I would pretty easily take Pierre as a driver over Esteban. But who knows, man? Esteban's been in that team for a couple years. He knows the car. This is Pierre's first season. <clears throat> first season in Alpine, so we'll see how they get on going forward. But I just got that was lingering in my brain uh, recently, and I just I wanted to kind of talk about that and get you guys' thoughts on what that is. So, man, like, hit me up on socials or leave a comment under the YouTube video. Let me guys let me know what you guys think about the whole Pierre and Esteban situation, and let me know what you guys think about anything that we talked about today in the episode I, this was a really good one this felt very laid back and and natural man i don't yeah there's not really anything else that i, I want to talk about this was this was good one just wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update on what's been going on with me and what's been going on with formula one and i haven't seen you guys in a while so yeah just wanted to do a little little check-in chat little silly season pre kind of a pre-silly season chat and yeah see what was up see what the deal is but i think that's gonna wrap it man uh yeah i'm good it's a beautiful day outside it's probably gonna get hot as you know what outside i'm in houston and we've just been getting absolutely demolished with heat waves it's been over 100 pretty much every day for the past like week we got a break uh last week due to some rain but for the next like week and a half it looks like it's just gonna be nothing but just straight demolition derby heat wave and i am absolutely going through it right now as far as the heat i work not outside but some of my time is spent working outside and it, it can be absolutely miserable miserable at times but we move anyway so i'm gonna get out of here man i really appreciate you guys tuning in once again Make sure you follow all of the the socials and the channels. They're all at Naldo Formula One, Twitter, Instagram, threads, the new threads, TikTok, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, man. Love you guys, man. Thanks for always tuning in, and I will see you guys on the next one. Peace.